This is Women Authors of Achievement podcast, episode 49 with guest Claudia Zakrocki. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Suvorova, and welcome to today's conversation. In Germany, she's known as the expert for all things digital media, and her name is Claudia Zakrocki. Up until 2021, Claudia was the VP for international content and brand strategy at Refinery29. She was also the editor-in-chief of German interview magazine and Les Mats, the first and leading fashion blog in Germany. Today, she's the founder of interior brand Hand in Hand and co-founder of creative agencies Mikado Culture and Only Good People. Today, we talk about her year of saying yes to life experiences, how she built her financial independence to live her dreams and what authenticity is in today's digital world. Grab a lemonade and enjoy today's episode. If you want to follow the latest news on Women Authors of Achievement podcast, sign up for our newsletter via waa.berlin. Hey, Claudi, so great to have you today in the studio. I was actually thinking over again how to introduce you best on the show, but I couldn't make up my mind. It says here that you're an entrepreneur, digital media expert, creative and strategic consultant, businesswoman, interior designer, writer, life coach, podcaster, TV presenter, event host. The list goes on. Claudi, give me an honest answer. Are you an undercover superwoman? Oh, my God. First of all, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And second of all, it sounds pretty weird when you say it like that. But yeah. I think it just shows that nowadays our world is so diversified and what people do, there are so many options. And if you tap in a lot of options like I do, yeah. then you are becoming like one of those slash girls, you know, where you always have like the slashes, like yeah. entrepreneur and journalist and everything. So yeah. how does it actually feel to carry so many roles and to have your fingers in so many jars? Like. Do you get overwhelmed or rather at this point you feel like something is missing in your life when you're not hustling this much? Um, I think it depends on the life phase that I'm in. So obviously back in the days I had a job in a big company and I was focused very much on that job. So for the past years my life was very focused on one agenda And then I kind of felt, oh, my God, I need to tap more into my creativity and all the other things that I want to do and also I want to learn more skills again. And um, now I wear a lot of different hats. And to be super honest, at the moment, it's a bit overwhelming. This is why I had to cut a few things. For mm. example, I have an interior brand. We are on summer break right now because it's just been too much with all the other stuff that I'm doing. So I think there's no single answer. I think you just really have to tune into your feelings and really see what is working and what is not and how much energy you have left because... If I do something, I want to do something well. So for me, that is more important than doing everything at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. And I mean, also for the last 12 years, you have been building brands, you have been consulting like different creative directions, but also writing has been really huge part of your life. And frankly, I was reading somewhere that you were considered to be first generation blogger. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's a yes. So tell me, how did writing came into your life? And not only as a hobby, right? It became your bread and butter for life. So I think I was a writer since I was born, weirdly, because I always loved to read, even when I was a child. And writing and being a writer often comes hand in hand with reading as well. So I spent my whole childhood reading like mm -hmm. crazy. But was like, it like embraced by your parents or... 
Yeah, of course, my parents are very intellectual. So obviously, they were surrounded by a lot of books as well. But they were also like working people. So both had jobs. So there was not a lot of time for them to read. I think I saw them ever reading when they were on vacation and maybe like for one hour per day. That was the max. So I think it was just something that was in my character all along since I was little. And I loved stories and I loved imagining the characters and the lives and the storyline in my head. So this whole thing about storytelling and creating something in your own imagination was always a big part of my life. And then eventually writing came on and um, I was always writing short stories extensively in my journal when I was younger. And then I had one German teacher who actually saw the potential in me and she told me to go to summer school with the writing class. And she was kind of the first one to really, yeah, empower me in a way. I think it was like 14 or 15 at a time. And she really empowered me and kind of gave me the sense that I could tap into that skill set a bit more and it could just not be a hobby. And yeah, I just wrote and wrote and wrote my whole life. And then I went to Australia because I was actually studying to become a teacher. So I was doing a practical semester in Australia. And there I realized I can't literally become a teacher it would be so <laughs> bad for the kids and for myself and for everyone oh my I'm goodness were you like sur surfing like day and night <laughs> i was surfing day and night and also the most impatient person ever so this doesn't really go well with kids you know yeah and then i met a few people and i was starting to write for australian harper's bazaar for other outlets and this is kind of where i started to write for a profession and to gain money from it, you mm -hmm. know, that was a whole new concept for me because in my head, there were just like jobs like a teacher or an, like a, a doctor that made total sense. I never thought that you could make money out of writing. Right. And then I came back and to your point, I really was one of the first bloggers in Germany. And uh, when I came back to Germany, my ex-boyfriend back then told me, you should just do blogging because he had seen it in the States. And there mm -hmm. were literally like just like five or six bloggers in Germany at that time. It was super fresh. Which year are we talking about? 2004. Okay. So super early stages. And yeah, I was studying in Heidelberg and I just programmed my own blog with Blogspot back Not then. Bad. I was like nerding into that whole thing, like three days in my bed and um, programming it. And then I just started and then just made me so much joy, you know, just to What was the name of the blog? Cloud 44. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it was just like, you know, branding wasn't obviously my thing back then. But um, yeah, I just thought like 44 was my favorite, is my favorite number. And cloud because of cloudy obviously yeah. makes sense. So cool. Yeah. And that from that, it kind of evolved, you know, then I blogged more Then I was working for Limatz, which was back then the biggest German fashion blog owned right. by a publishing house. And that's how it all started. But with Limatz, like, were you, how did they find you? Like, how did you come about it? So basically, one of my best friends was also a blogger back then. And she got offered a position when the initial Limatz people left. And she took on the job, but also wanted to bring me on as like a freelance writer because we have like a different style of writing and a different style in general in fashion. So I think we were like a big, a super good team, to be honest. And yeah, that's that's how it came along. And it was my first job after studying, basically. Yeah, and that's also when you arrived in Berlin, I would assume. Yeah, yeah right? like I was coming to Berlin before often. So but you knew it's, if writing plus Berlin, that's that was yeah. perfect. And to be honest, I already knew from a very young age that if I want to live in 
stay in Germany, Berlin would be the only city I would love to live in because of the diversity and the many cultures you can see, you know. So that was never a question for me. That's the highlight. Exciting part of that is Refinery29 because basically you were building it from scratch in Germany. And I wanted to hear more about that and how you came to Refinery and how it was building it in Germany when it was so successful in the States. And also, you know, what was the sentiment around women-focused media landscape back then? Well, big questions. So when I launched Refinery29 in Germany in 2016, There was a bit of talk about female empowerment already in Germany or in Europe, I would say, in general. And there were obviously a few blogs that were focused around, like, in quotes, like female topics, mm -hmm. whatever they, they are considered. But still, when it came to traditional media, everything was pretty old school. The women you see on the pictures, um, the topics that were talked about, mainly women-focused media in Germany was centered around fashion and beauty. So there was nothing more, mm -hmm. no motherhood, no financing, no appreciation for your own dreams. So those were like or sexuality, for example, or mental health. Those were all topics that weren't really like tapped into. And um, obviously, I was working in the media industry for so many years already after the Mats, and then I was the head of Interview Magazine. So I knew Refinery pretty well, and it was always as a empowered woman, as I would like to call myself, it was always <laughs> the hero platform that you were looking up to because they did a lot of things right. You know, they were mm -hmm. talking about diversity and inclusion. And as I said, about all those taboo topics that no one ever dared to talk about. And when they approached me about the position to, yeah, to launch the whole business and to be editor in chief, there was no question that I wanted to take that job. I was pretty young back then. I was 29. So considering for that big of a role, you know, like really also launching the business, I was pretty young, but I like to be the underdog sometimes. And I'm super happy that they trusted in me. And I think it worked out pretty well. Nice. And I mean, when you say like you were super young, like have you felt that this is like a new challenge for you? And yes. you weren't, were you nervous or were you excited about I that? I was so nervous. Right. I nearly literally shit my pants to be super <laughs> blunt. But I always like to challenge myself and I feel if you're not nervous about something or if you're not even a bit like scared or frightened, mm. then it's not a challenge and then it's not stepping out of your comfort zone. But so. have you ever failed taking something which is a bit like above your maybe boundaries? To be honest, no. Look at you, Because successful woman here. No, I think like, you know why? Because even if it doesn't work out, I think there's no shame in putting your hands up and telling everyone, oh, look, I just, it's just a bit too big for me. I can't do it. I need help, you know? So in those kind of moments, asking for help, I think it's not shameful. So that's why I consider, I think there were probably plenty of times where I didn't get the job done as well as I might have wanted to. But I think, yeah, there's no shame in being honest about it and telling someone. Where, where do you have the confidence from? Because a lot of people, and especially like I think young women taking on leadership role, they get really affected by those maybe challenges, those small failures. And you feel like you have the confidence. You feel like I'm going to take it. Let's see where, where it goes. Oh, it's a tough question. I never think about this stuff, you know, so it's hard for me That's to answer. That's why we're in this podcast, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, another challenge. No, I think like 
people call me confident because I understood in a super early age that no person on this planet is perfect. No one has it all figured out. No one has all the skill sets on this planet as well. And that everything is a process. And I feel like if you yourself know that you are doing the best that you can at that point of time and that you're really using your brain for it and really thinking about it and wanting to, to make it the best, then that's all you can do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much limit to what a person can achieve in every second of the day. So, yeah, my dad always told me, whatever you do, just make sure to use your brain properly because you're not stupid, so use it. And I think this was kind of also a moment from the early stage that I realized I'm just doing the best that I can, you know, and I'm here to grow. I hope to be on this on this world for much longer, hopefully. And everything's a process. And obviously, I'm 36 now. Even now, I don't have everything figured out. And I don't know all the skill sets that you can have. But I think there is so much tranquility in the understanding that we are all just humans you know and if if you try to do your best mm -hmm. every day and each of, of everyone does the best every day then the world is already a better place and the workspace is a better place and yeah absolutely it's a, it's a process but it's perfect that you brought this up because that kind of gives a leeway into another i would say personal project maybe it's not a project per se but there is a kind of conscious decision you made around it is when you decided to say yes uh, and to all the life experiences for a year or was it like year of yes basically yes. right how is it like to live you know the life to the fullest and just to have that experience what it meant for you for me it was i think we have to talk about why i started that year mm -hmm. of yes in the first place and i was working at refinery 29 and vice media group for five years so it was a lot of like a very challenging job. I worked many hours. It was very focused around the company because I always, even though it was not my own company, I always treated it as my own. So life was very centered around this one, I would call it project. Mm -hmm. That was the company and my team and everything we tried to build globally. And at one point, I just realized that I wasn't happy anymore. I wasn't feeling inspired I wasn't happy coming to work every day. I wasn't creative anymore in the meetings. You know, I felt like I wasn't the best leader I could be because I didn't have the energy to listen to my team and being super empathetic towards them. And at one point, I just realized it's it's not the surroundings and it's not a team or it's not a job or anything. It's me. I just have evolved from that kind of position and I just need something new. And... Once in my life, I swore to myself that I would never get lazy with stuff, that I always want to be stay curious and do something new. And then at one point, I sat at home and I was like, oh, my God, you just got so lazy. You know, you have this amazing job and this amazing title. And I've worked super hard for it. I worked my ass off for 12, 13 years to get to where I am. But I realized, yeah, I became a bit lazy with everything. I became settled. And this is why I decided, oh, my God, I'm so young still, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. Um, life is too short to mm -hmm. just stay lazy. And to But it's interesting that you connect lazy and settleness, right? Because yeah, settleness probably. is not per se laziness. Yeah, but I think lazy in the sense that I didn't challenge myself anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't, like for a long time, I didn't try to learn something new, you know. I, I was like super comfortable in the seat that I was sitting in. And 
I just realized, yeah, as I said, I'm not happy. And this is why for me it's laziness because I, I thought that I was lazy with myself, with growing myself. Right. That's maybe a better way to describe it. Mm -hmm. It's not lazy in not doing enough per day and having too many to-dos or something. It's the laziness with myself mm -hmm. in growing. Yeah, really growing and reflecting of what you really want to do and if you were happy or not. And so long story short, that's why I did my year of yes and I decided to quit my job and spent the next year with all the things that I always wanted to do, but I never had time to. And I think it's always such an excuse to, we all know it, right? We always say, yeah, I would love to do this and that, but I never have time or I can't do it because of various mm -hmm. reasons. And I was just so sick of myself, you know? I couldn't he listen to myself anymore. It's like, I just need time to do it. And that's why, okay, so I challenge myself. Now I don't have the job anymore. Now I have all the time in the world, like the 24 hours there's that no everyone else has. So there's no excuses. And um, it was literally the best decision of my whole life. Not because I hated the job or anything. I love the job. I love the team and everything. But because I really, I stayed true to the values that I once made up for myself. I didn't want to be lazy with growing. I didn't, I always wanted to challenge myself. And I wanted just to grow as a person, and I really did. Mm -hmm. So you're saying you did things that you always dreamed about. What were those things? Now I'm now I'm very curious because I've seen you like, I've seen you traveling. I've seen you doing lots of things. What so what were those actions when you did it? You were like, finally, I was dreaming to do that for the last five years. Done, off my checklist. You know what? It was actually I haven't really checked all of the boxes even up until today, and it's been what two and a half years. One and a half years. I don't even know. But I had a lot of ideas. I always have a lot of ideas. I'm a person who always has tons of ideas. If I had 10 arms and my day would have 700 hours, I would literally have 25 companies and write 10 books and whatever. No, but I think that the gist of it all was that I wanted to be more creative again. I wanted to explore myself more creatively because back then the job that I had was very business orientated mm -hmm. but I'm I would say I'm like a 50% business person and 50% creative person and the creative part of me was lacking for a lot of years so I just wanted to try myself out again I was I'm still dreaming about writing a book I actually started writing the book I made a masterclass on personal branding that I wanted to do I launched an interior brand for um, on-demand sustainable interior products that are made by hand. Very niche, I know, but I love it. It's called Hand in Hand. And I wanted to work on a more writing projects or podcast projects or even TV series projects and also work with brands on a different level because for 12 years I've been working with brands mm -hmm. from the more content side of things. And yeah, I also worked for many months in the beginning as a consultant on a more of a brand building side. Yeah. That's also the question I had is like, how do you finance your life while living that dream? Because mm -hmm. of course you cannot maybe have that um, nine to five job that pays yeah. you off. So there's a lot of gaps. There's a lot of traveling in between. Yeah. And I think people never really truly tell others how much financial support you have to have in order to do something like that. Because I think like on social media, everything is nice and funny until someone raises the questions like, how do you finance all of this? And it's no secret that I don't come from a rich background. My parents are immigrants. So we built everything up from scratch and money was always short. 
So I'm very proud to say that everything that I built, I built my own. And the last year at the company, I already realized that I'm, I would be leaving soon. And this is why I was like classically saving up. You know, I was being super mindful of, of my money. I was take, I was lucky enough that I could take on side jobs um, on the side because the company always knew that I needed to be a bit of a creative wizard sometimes. So I was just taking on a lot of side projects in the year before prior to um, mm -hmm. quitting the job. So I could have that financial backbone and mm -hmm. like a bit of support. Yeah. And then I just was very smart, I think, in the first six months of the year of yes, that I literally also said yes to everything. Like, do you want to be a consultant on this and then? I was like, yes, I want to launch the interior brand. And um, for example, other sales outlets came and wanted to put in my rocks in their sales department. So I said yes even though I didn't have everything figured out and I didn't even have staff for my interior brand mm -hmm. back then. But I was like, okay, it's money. So I'm gonna just going to say yes, you know. So I think the first six months were a lot. It was a lot of work. I was working 24-7. Even my friends were joking and they were like, you're the only person who quits a fixed job and then goes into <laughs> self-employment and works even more than before, which is literally not possible because I was working like 60, 70 hour weeks. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I really committed to like, you know, saying yes and saying yes means also trying something new. And even right. if something doesn't feel like it from the beginning, just try it out, you know. Yeah. And I always say, often people ask me why I am so easy mm -hmm. with taking decisions. And I feel like people often miss that it's not a decision for life. I really, truly believe that except for the decision to become a mother or father, which is for life for sure, every decision you can take back again. Like mm -hmm. you can leave every job at every time. No one holds you there. It's not a prison, you know? So I think the most things that we do in life, they are reversible or you, not reversible, but also that you can step out of them. And I right. think like realizing that also lifts a lot of pressure on the sh of the shoulders that everything is so serious all the time, you know? Yeah, that's that's interesting point that you have there. And, you know, what I was also wondering is, I feel like you had, as you mentioned, you had very strong values and principles you lived by, and not just before leaving the company. Mm -hmm. Also, probably you built those up in your 20s. And to have such a life of dream and freedom and borderless you have to set those rules way back earlier mm -hmm. and you build those up, you follow them and you maybe unconsciously envision that life of freedom by the time you're mid thirties. For sure. So what were the principles, rules, I mean, whatever you want to call it, what were those things that gave you this, you know, financial independence, this freedom of making decisions you would like to have in your life and not being tied to things? Yeah. I think it was also coined with my parents, I have to say, because I grew up in a Polish household and everyone who is Polish out there knows they are very strict. <laughs> there are a lot of rules. But at the same time, they both my parents always empowered me to go my own way and to find my own path. Because I think that's also from their history. You know, they uh, my parents are... 19 years apart, um, age-wise. So this is like back then, obviously, it's not something that it was common. They decided to move to another country with like one suitcase. So they kind of also coined their own path all the time. So I think this is why at an early stage, they already empowered me to do it on my own as well. 
they also always say to not listen too much to what other people say. And I think it took me up until my 30s to really understand what it means. Because in my 20s, I was still very much thinking about what others think of me, if it's like, okay, what I'm doing or not. But when it comes to values, I understood from a young age that you really have to put in the work, like nothing comes for free in life. And if you want something, you have to make it happen because it won't be handed to you on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is also something that it also taps into the laziness that I talked about before, like really understanding that like you are the creator of your life. Right. Like there's no expectation to be had to other people or to circumstances or to jobs to help you get somewhere. It's just you can do it on your own. You are the only person who can fulfill your dreams. And this is why I hustled hard. This is why I understood from like an early age, if you want to be somewhere. And for me, I knew I had to be financially independent and I knew I had to make money simply like that in order to afford a life that is free of challenges you know and I, w I always wanted to travel a lot so I knew this would take like I would need to spend a lot of money for that and this is why okay so while others were partying in the beginning of the 20s I was working you know and uh, while others were like doing this and that and kind of trying themselves out I was trying myself out while earning money and working mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think this was the big difference did and your peers know about it or and did you feel a bit like lonely that you had to be different and you had to make those other decisions than your peers no i think because i always like i value friendship a lot so mm -hmm. my friends are super super important to me they are like my family and i'm lucky enough that i always had friends or like now i have i cut a lot some friends out of my life but uh <laughs> I had mostly people that were very supportive of me. And I think this is also super important. And it's also one of the values that I have that everything starts with being happy in your private life as well, to having mm -hmm. a support system, to have, even if it's like a colleague at work, you know, or your grandma or whatever, your cousin or someone that you just met, you really need to be surrounded by people who see you, who are empathetic towards your situation, who understand where you're coming from. Because mm -hmm. also, um, like my friends, they really understand that my upbringing was often very different to how they grew up. And this, this also like obviously characterized me in some way, you know, so I feel, really feel that surrounding yourself with people who are genuinely good and genuinely see the good in you and want you to succeed because they understand that there is enough cake for everyone on the table. Mm -hmm. This, I think, is the groundwork for everything. And my life has become better and better over the years because I only surround myself with really, really good people. Mm-hmm. That's also, with the good people comes also the authenticity mm -hmm. and realness, right? And that was also the question I wanted to ask you because you are the first generation blogger. You're also an influencer, right? Yeah, I think I guess I, people would call me that. I'll even call you yeah, that. Even, let's, yeah. let's use that word. Nonetheless, content creator. And, you know, and authenticity seems to be very pushed out there, but it's also a very difficult topic in the digital media scene because... Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you think this is authenticity, but it's not. It's it's not necessarily the actual personality in individuality of the person. What's your thoughts on this? And how can one be authentic in the digital media space? I really have to say, I think it's very hard to be authentic 
on social media. Let's take Instagram as an example, because the medium that I use the most. For once, I have to say that I am a bit of an exception because I have a bit of a following. But at the same time, I'm not, I don't rely on Instagram to for my income. So it's not my main source of income. And I think this is a big difference as well. If you don't have to pay re your rent with that, you are more easy with Yeah, saying what you mean or how you feel and really sharing what you really want to say. That's just as a, like a starting, starting point. But I feel obviously the thing with authenticity is what people don't understand is that it starts with yourself. It starts with looking yourself in the mirror and really, really, really asking yourself, is this person that is looking towards me? Is that a person that feels genuine? Is that a person that feels real? Is that the person that I want to be? And is that a person that how I show up for the people surrounding me and for the world surrounding me? And I feel that obviously authenticity is such a buzzword nowadays because also like influencers and content creators have to say they are authentic in order to justify why they are doing like brand collabs and everything, you know? And exactly. Because obviously it's all about sales and promoting products and promoting brands. So they have to say that they authentically love that brand or that product. But at the same time, I feel it's hard, you know, if um, your self-worth derives more from likes or if you maybe don't have this support system that I talked about in your private, in your actual real private life. Or if you don't, are not really in tuned with your thoughts and emotions and If you're having a bad face or if you are, if you're not sure how you can grow as a person or even if that is not even on your agenda, like some people just don't want to grow. They are super happy with how they are, you know, and then it becomes super hard to be authentic, obviously, because you have to do the again, you have to do the work with yourself. You have to question yourself. You have to maybe go to therapy. You have to get feedback from friends, which sometimes hurts. And this is all what you have to work with. And yeah, I feel social media is a weird is a weird place. I think it's a bit sad because for someone who didn't grow up with social media and not even the internet. So when I was growing up as a teeny, there was no internet. Like literally, yeah. there was none. <laughs> so for me, I think that was also a big driver for my career in digital media is because it was so accessible. And I love the fact that everyone can tell their stories and that everyone can help each other out and that right. there is yeah. so much room for as i said taboo topics or helping hands or even if you've like some people live in cities or in areas where they don't find people that resonate with them where they mm. don't find people that can truly become their friends and social media and everything helps so much to find people who have the same interests or who are like-minded I mean, and I found I approached you through social media. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> so I think that's like for me, it's still I know it's, I sound like a granny when I say it, but for <laughs> me, it's still such a gift, you know. So at the same time, it makes me a bit sad that often platforms are just used for pretty pictures or that everyone looks the same and that, for example, there are no longer captions or no one reads the captions anymore because, you know, everything is so fast and so fast-paced and so fleeting. So, yeah, I have a lot of hate relationship with social media. But, sorry, I'm rambling. But, um, yeah, I think authenticity really comes with also thinking about that everything you put out there 
really touches someone else. And I think it took me a long time to also understand that the numbers that you have there as likes or like followers that they are actual people, you know. Right. And it really shocks me up to today that people literally come up to me on the street and tell me that they've read something that I posted and it really changed their way of thinking or it really resonated with them or it really empowered them. And this just shows that I think, yeah, everyone of us should just think about what they put out there, you know, and what kind of footprint we leave. Yeah, absolutely. And to be more conscious about it, mm -hmm. right? What value we're contributing. I think yeah. that's very important. And if it brings value, whether it's entertainment and, or it's education, that's great. But yeah. then you're conscious about that, yeah, right? Yeah, you're conscious, yeah. I would just ask everyone who is on social media and who has like a bigger following to really think about if the person that you are online is really matching the person that you are offline. Because I feel that, you know, people have that also in jobs, you know, when they go to the office, that they have to act a certain way or that they have to pretend even to be somewhere else, you know, and people have that a lot. And so it's not just on social media, but I really believe that if you spend so many hours of your day pretending to be someone else, it ultimately rips you off from the authentic person that you actually are and becomes it will ultimately become harder and harder the longer you do this to come back to who you are and to be in tune with your intuition right, and to right. your feelings and everything i mean it's also so exhausting it to play that game i mean so yeah. it's okay that we mm -hmm. have certain social roles i think there are different circumstances where we have to adjust yeah. and you know it's not there's a certain environment where it's time to be a bit more serious yeah. to be more funny this is okay And I think that's also fine. And people have to accept that there is the serious person and of the course, outgoing one. Yeah. But the authenticity as a personality, when that switches, that's a big of a problem. And for example, when I was, I was studying my career also in, fa in the fashion industry. So I was going to a lot of fashion weeks. I was traveling the world and did like from Paris to Milan to New York, everything. And at one point, I realized that I wasn't really feeling comfortable in that surrounding. Mm -hmm. I still love fashion to today, but for the fashion sense and not the shopping sense. But I just realized that I'm not authentically myself in those surroundings with those people. And this is where I actively decided, for example, to step away from this whole fashion scene a bit and focus more, for example, on the business side mm -hmm. of running media businesses and running mag magazines. It's just an example to really thinking about, I think we really have to stay in tune with how we feel every day or every week at least and really question ourselves. Am I happy? Am I pretending to be someone else? Am I pushing my boundaries too much? Am I actually maybe being a bit lazy and pushing my boundaries not enough, you know? Right. Am staying too much in my comfort zone? Am I playing the victim all the time and looking more for the outside than the inside? And I feel like the more we are in tune with those kind of questions and honest answers to ourselves, the more authentic you can be. That's just like a perfect way to put it together. I mean, I didn't expect this question would get us this far, but it's Sorry. quite a learning. Like, here we go. Oh my God. Sorry, I, I love talk it. a lot. No, I, talk, I love it. also authentically me. I exactly. talk a lot, guys. Exactly, right? So we are coming, unfortunately and steadily, to the end of our conversation, which I would love to keep on. I feel like there could be like a glass of wine and, yes, <laughs> and I would this love ongoing, to have a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for for season It's three, a Wednesday, guys. For season three, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But before I ask my last and favorite question, I wanted to know, since you had the year of yes, I mean, what's ahead of you for this year? 
Is it going to be another year of yes? Is it going to be continuation with your like interior brand hand in hand or you plan to more work on with your agency, Mikado Culture? There's also another one you're running, which is Creative Collective, Only Good People. Mm-hmm. What is it all about this year? <laughs> This year, to be honest, Give us a teaser. it's about <laughs> focus, actually. So actually, I would even say it's a year of no, to be honest, guys, because I'm saying no to a lot of things because I really realized that I'm able to say no because I worked hard in the last year. I said a lot, uh, yes to a lot of things. I worked my ass off. And now I have the luxury to really focus on what feels right for me at the moment and I co-founded two agencies who are still running, but I'm not actively running them in the operational mm-hmm. side. So I have other fabulous people doing this day to day. I'm actually sitting on a pitch deck right now for a big company idea that I had last year, but that I put on hold because my energy wasn't right. And I was very drained from the pandemic and everything. So this is why I actively put it on hold. So I'm getting back on track with that, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. but also going very slowly, which is a challenge for me because I'm so impatient. And um, yeah, then I have another more creative project that I'm also pitching to get funded. So fingers crossed for that. And for me, it's more about really staying focused on those two projects at the moment. This is also why I put hand in hand into a summer break because we are back in fall with also new products because it was just a bit too much to handle everything like the whole orders and thinking about it's a good sign right it's a good sign but again as i said there's no shame in saying oh i need to stop for three or four months you know and putting the pause button on things whether it's like a pitch deck like last year or it's hand in hand now and yeah i'm just i'm in a very good place at the moment because i'm very in tuned with myself and very relaxed in the sense that I very much know who I am, where I'm heading, where my support system is, who the people are that love me, who the people are that I love. And this is a very, very nice place and state to be in, to be honest. I can feel the warmth coming all the way to this (laughs) part of the room. So the best question for the last, who, Claudia, you would like to highlight as your woman author of achievement, a woman that is a role model for you, a woman that inspires you? With me, I don't really have a proper role model, also because I don't like to look that much to left and right. It sounds bad when I say it, but I'm not really interested that much in the achievement of other women. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested in how those women show up to their peers and to the world outside. This is why it might sound weird, but I don't really follow that many people and what they succeed in life. But I like this answer, a women who show up for mm-hmm. one another. I yes. think this is, this is also a woman yeah. that is also of her achievement. Of it, course, she's just yeah. not there on the uh, success pinnacle by herself. Yeah. Uh, she is there sharing yeah. it with others and showing up for others. I think that's, a, that's an achievement. That's a a lot of investment of one's own time, which totally is rare these days, yeah. actually. And I think this is really the most genuine achievement you can give to like people surrounding you, you mm-hmm. know, and the people that you are in contact with. Because people always say it gets lonely on top when you're successful. And I don't really believe that. I believe it doesn't have to be lonely on top. It's on you to decide how you want to get to the top and how many people you want to drag along with, with you. 
So with me, everyone has to come along, you know? You will, like, yeah. hang them on your backpack. And I would, be I like... literally, I would, yeah. I just drag along everyone on my way, so... Oh, and I love it, Claudius. I feel like such a positive and inspiring episode. I mean, I don't want to overuse the word inspiring, but it truly feels Thank like uh, in a good direction. You know, I at least feel a very good energy after talking to you. So and thank that's you. That's the biggest compliment you can give me. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you also for talking about your year of yes, about your focus time now, about how important it is to make those right decisions at the timely mm-hmm. periods in one's life about you building your financial independent life and living the dream. I think that's really exciting, right? There's a lot of hustling behind the scenes that sometimes people don't see. But also, I think authenticity and how we touched on it, it's so important. And let's just continue embracing it whether and make sure that in real life, we show up even more for one another. So that's that's a wrap of today's conversation. Thank you for being here, Claudie. Thank you so much for having me. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Sorry if I ramble too much sometimes, but um, (laughs) that's just me. And yeah, I always say that you can always reach me on Instagram. So if there are questions or you want to reach out or you want to share something, then always feel free to contact me. At Claudi Zakrocki. At Claudi underscore Z. Okay, not shorter here, guys. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.